Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today's guest and a repeat guest, it was almost a year ago when we had him on last time, is a leading expert in national security and foreign foreign policy uh, issues. He's the vice president of foreign and security of foreign and security issues with the Heritage Foundation. And I like your Twitter handle, Jim. It says uh, trying to prevent World War Three, one tweet at a time. And so our guest is James James. We'll call him Jim Carafano. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. So you know, it's it's uh, talk about titles. I mean, the, the title of your show is just so apropos. Uh, as we said before the interview started, I mean, this is very surreal because normally, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. You sit back and you talk about disasters and things and stuff, and but you're not intimately involved. There are so many Americans, indeed people all over the world, who have been connecting with each other, trying to get people to safety and 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 I'm you know I like a lot I've been sucked into that I feel like it's like Dunkirk where we're all going to the dock to get our boats to go rescue the the army except we don't have a we don't have a Churchill but it's it's very raw and very visceral for me and I I'm literally watching it unfold in real time hearing about families who are one step ahead you know of being hunted down by the Taliban or one case we had people that. We got them seats on a plane. They got to the airport, but they couldn't get in the airfield. So it's it's a, an experience like I've never had before. Well, I guess in the worst part about this whole thing, this is self-inflicted. I mean, you know, a five-year-old would solve this problem better than our current government. I mean, to set up an artificial – to set up a deadline August 31st so you can look like a hero on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, you pull the military, you leave the weapons – Right. You give the Afghans a list of all these people who, once they get it, we all know where they're going to end up. And then you act like you're, you know, you're the hero. It, it is mind boggling to, to think that everything was done backwards and couldn't have been done in a worse way, could it? So, so let me kind of unpack two things for folks. Yeah. One is, what was the alternative? And, and we actually know what the alternative does because it was the status quo. We had 2,500 troops that were, were a deterrent to the Taliban that were, had taken zero casualties in a year and a half that actually cost us a fraction, a decimal point of what the actual evacuation cost. Um, and we're, we're safeguarding 38 million Afghans and American interests. So that's the alternative to what we got. And I don't think anybody can defend what we have, except for the administration and their incredibly lame talking points. But every every leader in the free world has been critical, politicians on both sides, military experts. I mean, nobody except the people who are just reading the White House talking points think that this is anything but a, other, a disaster. But Which raises the obvious question is, is how could this possibly have happened? And here, And here's how it happened. Biden absolutely convinced himself that the Taliban were going to overrun the country. And he was terrified that it would happen on his watch and that, that he would be saddled with a Saigon moment like, you know, uh, Jerry Ford. And so his plan was to just gift the country to the Taliban, just let them take over. And he assumed that if, that they would wait 
until we left. And so you couldn't coordinate, you couldn't plan, you couldn't have contingencies, you couldn't send troops in, you couldn't get people out, you couldn't do any of that because you're, the plan was basically to walk away in the dead of night and we'd be gone and the Afghans would, you know, kindly wait until we left and then, and then they would walk in and take over and he could say, oh, look, you know, everything was fine when I left, it's not my fault. Well, this was a, a, a ridiculous scenario because, of course, the Taliban were going to humiliate the United States going out the door. I mean, and, and, and because you essentially your plan was to not have a plan, it meant you had no contingencies. You, and you wound up then completely dependent on the Taliban to get people out of the country. So this was an unmitigated disaster. It's an unmitigated disaster for one reason, because the decision the president made and all of the decisions the president made made it harder to get out and more dangerous. Uh, and, and where are we? The, the answer is, is we're in the same place when we started. Our interests in the region haven't changed. It's just now we have endured a lot of misery, an enormous amount of expense. We've gotten people killed. And doing the things that we would need to do to protect America's interest, they're just way, way harder than they were five weeks ago. Well, and at this point, he'd love to have Saigon mentioned to his name because Saigon looks like a darn picnic compared to what is happening now and what's going to happen, right? This, there's going to be bad stuff going on. There was, a, I think it was in the New York Times, a list of everything we left behind. And I'm not going to go through everything, but 22,000 Humvees, 64,000 machine guns, uh, 33 Black Hawk helicopters. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Uh, transport planes. It is... I, I, it is mind-boggling that we walk away and give them stuff. I have very close relatives in the military who have to sign four forms to, you know, take out a rifle, and they left billions of dollars worth of equipment that will be end up being used against us. Well, so you know, people say, okay, but now we're gone; it's all over. And what's you know what's the worst that can happen? And the reality of it, it's not even close to being over. The problems that Biden created with his decision will plague him throughout his term of presidency. And, and I describe them in kind of three phases. The first is the hostage phase. There, we don't know how many Americans left in country. The administration thinks a couple of hundred. There's lots of other high value targets, other countries, former Afghan officials. This administration is going to go to bed terrified every night that they're going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be some American with a, you know, blindfolded in a, some grainy video in a basement somewhere being held hostage. These people are running around looking for hostages to take. And this is going to take weeks and months for people to get out of the country. So they're going to be terrified that they're going to face the hostage situation, which will be deeply humiliating or there'll be a ransom or a hostage thing. Not good. The second thing is terrorism. There's, there's, there's going to be a transnational terrorist sanctuary in Afghanistan. Everybody agrees with that. Actually, even the administration agrees with that. The Haqqani Network, which were the people that brought al-Qaeda in to begin with, uh, they're going to bring al-Qaeda back. All the senior leaders in, in, are in Iran. They're going to come back. Uh, the ISI is there. Uh, between them, uh, they're going to be a terror threat to the region. They're going to they're going to reignite the, the global terrorist campaign. Indeed, the Taliban victory itself is going to be a clarion call for terrorists worldwide to reach up to the United States. That's a, a huge problem. I mean, literally, the global terror threat was at virtual zero six weeks ago, and it could be 
grayer. I mean, just by comparison, the Taliban on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 will control more territory, have more money, have more arms, have more friends, more access to the West, more power and authority than they did on 9-11. So that's a, that's a huge challenge. And, and of course, we have no capabilities in theater really to deal with that. And the third problem, of course, is China. I mean, it, particularly if this administration does a deal with Iran, you basically have a China, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran corridor. It's an open access to destabilize the Middle East. It's open access to the West. It gives the Chinese access to all the mineral uh, wealth in Afghanistan. It allows them to outflank India. I mean, we could lose all of South Asia to, the, to China as a result of this. These are enormous problems. And this is not a bad day. This is not like a bad day for the president. This isn't like Katrina where, you know, okay, once you get through the bad things, we just go back to being America. This, these are things that are going to hammer blow the administration over and over and over again and remind people how incredibly tragic this decision is. And, and, the, and the big problem for the administration is it's not like a one-off bad day. This is on yeah. top of open borders, trying to you know, scam Americans on voter integrity, uh, inflation, critical race theory, crime, problem after problem where Biden has failed. This is on top of that. Yeah, and if he did nothing, just sat and watched Barney, cart, you know, shows, he'd have been fine. And, you know, you, you retweeted something that I hadn't seen. It was a couple days ago. It was from the Prague newspaper. So I just want to kind of read this for people because I think it really hits the hail, nail on the head. And this is out of Europe, right? The danger to America is not Joe Biden, but the citizenry capable of entrusting a man like him with the presidency. It will be far easier to limit and undo the follies of a Biden presidency than to restore the necessary common sense and good judgment to a depraved electorate willing to have such a man as their president. The problem is much deeper and far more serious than Mr. Biden. It is a mere symptom of what ails America. Blaming the prince of fools should not blind anyone to the vast confederacy of fools that made him their prince. The Republic can survive a Biden, who is, after all, merely a fool. It is less likely to survive a multitude of fools, such as those who made him their president. So this actually gets to a really important point. Even this is, a, I think, a challenge even within the conservative movement, which, you know, we say we're a fusionist movement. We have evangelicals and physical conservatives and national security conservatives, and we all band together and vote for the same people. The reality is, is we all treat it like a buffet. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pro-life. That's what I care about. You know, I, and the reality is, is we have to care about all the issues because they all impact our freedom, safety, and security. You know, conservatism is not a buffet. It's like, dude, you have to have the whole menu. And all the things that are important, voter integrity, uh, fiscal discipline, border security, you have to care about all these things. And national security has to be part of that. And, and, this, and this does get to the problem, which was, this election was not about national security and foreign policy. And people would say, well, I'm not voting for foreign policy. I'm voting on health care or whatever. But the reality is, is, no, no, you are. You're electing a commander in chief. You're electing our chief statesman. You're electing the person that guides our foreign policy. You, whether you think it or not, you are voting on foreign policy. Biden was a, a known terrible choice. The, the, the election on foreign policy was contrasted between the mean guy tweeting with orange hair and his coarse rhetoric, and this guy that looked very, you know, diplomatic, but we all knew it was just an empty suit. We, as conservatives, as Americans, 
you know, normally on farm, you know, we would vote, when we vote on domestic policy, we vote for the guy that agrees with us. You like Obamacare, I like Obamacare, I like you. On foreign policy, we say, well, we trust that person, whoever we elect, to take care of these things. That business as usual can't go anymore. We have to think for ourselves. We all have to engage on foreign policy. We all have to care about these issues. We all have to educate. We have to have the courage to speak up. Just like you go into your uh, uh, school board meeting and, you're, and you, you complain about critical race theory, even though you, people are going to look you in the face and call you a racist. Or you, you know, go and complain about Black Lives Matter and they'll say, oh my God, you don't like black lives. I mean, of course you do, right? Your people are going to have to speak up on national security as well. They're going to have to educate themselves, and they're going to have to take this serious, seriously as they take voting rights and Obamacare and inflation and border security and all the other issues. Otherwise, we're going to get exactly what we paid for, which is the most incompetent president led by the most incompetent foreign policy team. If you think about it, this is the most experienced foreign policy team that's ever come to Washington in modern memory. All these Everybody, every had eight years under Obama. They went through Libya and Syria and uh, Iraq, and and they made these terrible mistakes on border security, on Afghanistan, on Russia, you name it. And these are not rookie mistakes. These people are not competent to lead this country, and we voted them in office. Well, so we are, yeah, to blame. And, and you know, yeah, and we are to blame because we, you know, if you elect a knucklehead, then you get what you get. But the bottom line is, and, and the sad part is, lives are being lost. We've lost thirteen American soldiers who were there doing their job, and would have never happened, but due to their incompetence. So when we talk about respect life, it's respecting life, but you have to make common sense decisions. That you, as you mentioned before, twenty five hundred soldiers were over there and they had things under control. Now there's no control, right? The nearest air base, I think, is at United Arab Emirates, which is like a thousand miles away, like an eight hour yeah. drone plane ride to get to Afghanistan, which is going to be the cauldron of all this bad stuff going on. Pakistan is as bad as Afghanistan. I mean, they're, they're in it with the Taliban up to their neck. And we sit there and think, oh, you know, we just need to get out. There was no forethought, and I have close relatives in the army and different and different branches of the military who say what's going on in the military is a joke. They keep getting told that white supremacy is their greatest enemy. They keep getting yeah. preached upon by critical race theory, and these guys and girls are trying to get the hell out because they don't want to have to deal with some incompetence and, and, that are even leading the military. And let me be really clear. Don't give me this cop out like, well, well he wasn't the elected president. You know, the other guy got, I don't want to hear that because he got some votes. And the reality is, is if you look at Joe Biden's 40 year record and, and the things that he has wanted to do in foreign policy, he should not have gotten five votes. No one in this country should have voted for him and people did. And the reason why is we did not do our job as Americans and stand up and have true accountability. We let people make it about mean tweeting and orange hair and, you know, we don't like that. And, you know, he wants us to drink chlorine. And we ignored issues like the freedom and the safety and the prosperity of Americans. And we elected a team which really looks at foreign policy as a distraction. All they really care about is gaining domestic control and domestic power. 
They don't want to do anything on foreign policy because it just it, it, it takes them away from their primary purpose. They're only happy to talk about foreign policy when it reinforces their domestic agenda. If it can be about climate change and pride flags and uh, or an excuse to demonize or marginalize conservatives in America, they're happy to do that. But if for them, it's all about domestic power and they have these blinders on and they don't care that the bad people of the world are out to kill us as long as they can they can be the kingdom of the swamp here at home. Well, and they're creating a swamp, right? You have, like you mentioned before, there's open borders. People are pouring through. Who knows who's pouring through? And you, you, to think that none of them are nefarious is ridiculous. They're flying all kinds of people over. You just mentioned, you know, you had seats for 30 Americans, couldn't even go on a plane. Who knows who are at these military bases now who got on planes because there's no vetting. And it is. Well, the real, I mean, look, so the real issue is. We have a completely open border. We've had 2 million people from all over the world walk on the border. At least yeah, the people that right. came here, at least the people, they're going to get an FBI check <laughs> or some guy's going to interview them. We had 2 million people walk into this country with zero accountability. And, 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 and forget about uh, terrorists. The, they, they, they reintroduced COVID in the United States. They, they brought all these variants and they spread them to communities all over the country. We enriched, the, you know, when, when Biden said, Build back better. The, the only people he's built back better are the Taliban, uh, and the Mexican cartels, and and Putin. Pretty much as far as I can tell. Yeah, and and they're all happy. And we, on the other hand, have to deal with this. And you know, they just saw you know the thirteen you know the coffins come back on the plane with the military flag. Our president looking at his watch because he must have been missing a television show. Um, it was really sad to see and to know that families have lost loved ones because of incompetence. And these thirteen brave soldiers that died—they're not going to be the last ones killed, are they? No. And and look, look, it gets deeper. That what's going on in Congress? Nobody has been dealing with the border security crisis, with Afghanistan, or any of these other issues. They're myopically focused on, on spending $4.5 trillion that they're going to hand over to the Biden team, which, which is incompetent to control our economy, to control the energy sector in the United States, to control our elections. They want to hand them that money and power even though every day they work on this, trying to give him four and a half trillion dollars, he proves more and more incapable and incompetent of, of, of doing that. It's, it, it's literally like giving a loaded gun to a, a little kid and expecting good results. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing that, you know, it reminds me of the movie Dave, if you remember back in the early 90s, I think, right. Kevin Klein, where... You know, there was this group that really, I mean, obviously Biden is not running anything, right? He's doing exactly what he's told. He's the, the puppet, but we don't know who, who is actually operating this. We had uh, Secretary Pompeo on us, you know, a month or so ago. And I said, who is running this show? Because it's not Biden. Do, do, who is running this show? I guess that I keep asking the question and I, and, you know, maybe we don't know, but he's not the one pulling the strings. Well, look, I mean, it's, it, it well, first of all, he did personally make the decision to pull out of Afghanistan, just, despite the advice of military and intelligence. So you do have a you have a combination. You have a proven incompetent president, backed by 
the exact same team that ran the government under Obama, which demonstrated their ideologues, they were leftists, they had no morals, they had no backbone, they had no character, and they were incapable of conducting a foreign policy that made Americans safer. So it's, you know, it's like the Keystone Cops being commanded by the Three Stooges. Uh, but, but again, whose fault is that? It, did anyone doubt who's yep. going to be running this government if Joe Biden was elected? Did anybody doubt the character of, of his ability to be president? Even, even foreign governments, if you're, just a few months ago, were all saying the adults are back. And they knew he, he was completely incompetent. But, but you know, I guess you know, they were just being nice. And, and even they you know, recognize that this is a complete, and they knew this before. None of them actually thought that Biden was competent. None of them thought the Obama people were actually going to do a good job. They just had, but they just had to be nice to the United States because they really didn't have a choice. And even they can't keep it up anymore. Well, how bad, how bad has he damaged the relationship with, you know, the Englands and other European countries on the world by leaving, basically letting, hanging them out to dry as well? Well, it's kind of a good – look, I will say on counterterrorism, everybody knows that, that they have an Islamist terrorist target on their back. So nobody, nobody uh, is, is not worried about that. So the, our, our normal – they will partner with us because, out of self-preservation. So that, we know that's true. Now, Russia and China, they're not going to fund and sponsor al-Qaeda, but they're perfectly happy to have the transnational terrorists out attacking the West. Um, because it distracts and, and engages us, um, and they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything to stop that. Um, that the the where it is get very significant is we have a renewed terrorist threat, but the great strategic challenge of China doesn't go away. And the weaker and more incompetent the United States looks, the more countries say, "Okay, well, how am I going to survive against this China threat?" Do I need to, you know, balance? Do I need to accommodate? Do I need to cut and run? Do I need to just give in to the Chinese? He's made every, there's no question that he has made everything in foreign policy and national security harder. And to your point earlier, if, if you want to do a thought exercise, if Biden had just sat in the Oval Office and done absolutely nothing on COVID, on anything, we would be better off today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for bad decisions, he'd make none. And we still have, you know, they'll get up there and they'll lie to you in your face, you know, and everything they say it's not going to happen is going to happen. And you just sit there and watch and look, things are going to continue to spiral out of hand. And this gets to a deeper point, which I, I think is really important, because these guys are not acting like normal politicians. You know, a normal politician, when everything was going wrong, they would, they would worry about getting reelected. So they would change. They would fire people. They would you know, change their policies or whatever. These guys do the opposite of that. And you have to really ask yourself, why is that? And you're right. If Biden was a normal politician, he would have just come into office, you know, complained about Trump for four years, but done absolutely nothing. And everybody would have thought he was a genius and he fixed everything and he was wonderful. And he had got reelected forever. But no. They came in and they made all these changes, many of which are demonstrably dangerous and wrong, injurious to the economy, and just, 
but they all advance their cause of exercising political power and consolidating political power. And that's the secret, I think, which is why they wanted like HR4 and H1 take over the federal elections, because their goal is if they can spend enough money and get enough power, elections won't matter anymore because they'll automatically always get reelected because they'll control everything. So they're more focused on the power grab than they are worrying about voters actually like them or not. Well, and the bottom line is, look, you know, we need we need faithful people who actually have a moral compass and that care about not only Americans, but care about other people in their countries and make decisions that are in the best interests of the people, not in the best interests of themselves. And, you know, people need to look in the mirror. You've said it several times in this interview, right? This doesn't happen if people don't vote it in. People need to look in the mirror. If you voted for the current regime, then you need to look in the mirror and say, I am culpable and I am partly responsible for what's going on because if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. I mean, they, they voted in basically who somebody is um, obsessively self-interested and a coward. I mean, it's the most yeah. toxic, toxic cocktail you could possibly ask for in a leader. And that's what we voted for. And and honestly, when people say, "Oh my God, how could how could things have gone so horribly wrong?" I, my response is, "What made you think that things weren't going to go horribly wrong?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 the writing was ever on the wall, it was on the wall here, and you had four years of I'll call it experience because I'm trying to be kind. Uh, of a politician who waffled on issues, who made wrong decisions right after the left, and only was vice president for Obama because he wanted the Catholic vote. Um, I mean, you got what you got. And so, you know, I can't believe we're almost done. We got a little less than that. How can people follow what you're doing to really stay on top of what's happening? Because unfortunately, there's still some chapters to be written in this horrific book. Yeah. So we're we're on Heritage. All our stuff's on Heritage.org. But one thing I really recommend is we have this thing called the Citizen's Guide, because it's not just important that you listen to me. People have got, I mean, I don't know if they're tea parties or whatever you want to call them. People have to dialogue. They, you know, these guys are underwater on so many issues, despite the media and everything. Why is that? Well, it's because people know stupid when they see it. And, and they know the only way to fix that is to talk to each other about what we need to do. So people need to get out and get engaged. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.